to play or not to play? That is the question. I'm in my zone. Yeah. I'm in my zone. Welcome to In The Zone. I'm your host, Chris Broussard. And as always, it is great to have you on board with us today. Before we get into today's show, I just want to mention that an interview I did with LeVar Ball is making headlines because he made some comments on LeBron's kids and LeBron was not happy about it and has since responded to LeVar. If you want to hear the full interview, take a listen to our March 10th extended cut of the LeVar Ball interview. Now, we've got a wonderful interview today coming up with the one and only Shaquille O'Neal. And here's a little teaser. I asked Shaq, of all your great teammates, Penny Hardaway, Kobe Bryant, Dwayne Wade, LeBron James, Steve Nash, if you had to pick just one of them to play with in his prime, who would it be? I think you'll be surprised by his answer. But before getting into Shaq, let me address the topic that is dominating NBA headlines and discussions right now. Players, and more specifically, stars, sitting out games to rest. First, a quick qualifier. This is not about players sitting out games over the last week or two of the regular seasons. Fans and everyone else understands that. This is about missing games for no good reason during the heart of the season. The issue has gotten so big that a few days ago, Commissioner Adam Silver sent a memo to the league's owners saying, quote, Instances of teams resting players this season have increased substantially over last season, and this has become an extremely significant issue for our league. Those are strong words, and the reason Silver went to the owners instead of the players is because the league and executives on clubs that don't rest players believe the problem lies with the team's management and coaches rather than with the players. They believe the players want to play, and in most cases are just acquiescing to the wishes of GMs and head coaches who are caught up in the analytics regarding performance and health risks. For example, Here's what LeBron had to say on the issue. For me personally, I, you know, I want to play in every game, you know, and I wanted to play last night, but my coach, you know, felt like it was best that I didn't play last night, so I'm going to go with my coach. I mean, he's never steered me wrong, so. Silver said in his memo that the league will address this issue at the next Board of Governors meeting on April 6th. I like Adam, and because of that, I'm going to give him some advice. Nip this thing in the bud. Pronto. Tell the owners in no uncertain terms to send the message throughout their organizations that healthy players play. Tell them that their players are not playing ball in a vacuum, that they are connected to, in fact, in partnership with television networks, corporate sponsors, and fans. That's who pays their salaries. And if any of those three entities gets fed up with the league for failing to deliver the best product it can, the NBA will be sunk. But Chris, what about the science? All the sports science says the players are overworked and that playing too many games and minutes increases their chances of injury or at the very least reduces their productivity on the court. Here's what Spurs coach Greg Popovich had to say on that subject. Uh, the league has to understand that 
the science of what we do is a whole lot more sophisticated than it used to be. And we have definitely added years to people. So, you know, it's a, it's a trade-off. You want to see this guy in this one game, or do you want to see him for three more years of his career? Look, I don't claim to be a scientist, but I am calling hogwash. And here's why. Look, science says practically all of us are overworked and hindering our own ability to perform both physically and mentally at our top levels. Just last month, an article in the journal Social Science and Medicine read, and I quote, people who work more than 39 hours a week are putting their health at risk. 39 hours a week. That's you and me, bruh. But where's our rest? And we ain't getting paid millions of dollars either. Then there's this. The National Sleep Foundation says adults should sleep between seven to nine hours a night. How many of us do that? Not me and probably not you and you and you. Heck, the Harvard Medical School has linked sitting all day at work to dementia, heart disease, and even premature death. But how many of you are sitting down right now listening to this podcast? So don't buy into all this stuff about the science saying players need to sit out games because the science says we all need rest. John Stockton and Carl Malone, while taking commercial flights, not charter ones, for the early parts of their careers, didn't sit games and they lasted 19 seasons. Stockton played every single game in 17 of those years. And Malone, who missed only 10 games his first 18 seasons, averaged 38 minutes a game as a 38-year-old. Kobe, Kevin Garnett, Jason Kidd, Reggie Miller, Kareem Abdul-Jabbar. I could go on and on with guys that played tons of minutes and tons of games and had long, healthy careers. I go on and on. Can't understand how I last so long. Look, I know this is a tough issue to police. That if the league begins fining teams or, I guess, players for resting, that clubs will simply begin making up injuries like strained hamstrings, back spasms, upper respiratory infections. But still, there are things the league can do. Here are four possible solutions. Eliminate back-to-back -back games on the road. The NBA is already set to stretch out the season by starting it 7 to 10 days earlier in October. That'll allow it to cut down the number of three games in four nights and four games in five nights stretches, as well as a number of back-to-backs. That's good. But perhaps it should start even earlier, maybe by another week or so, and eliminate back-to-back -back games on the road altogether. A study by the Utah School of Medicine found that players are three and a half times more likely to be injured in a road back-to-back -back than in consecutive games at home. That's why stars tend to sit on the road. Steve Kerr said this himself when he was asked about resting players. It's 100% uh, uh, health. Uh, I've, been, I've been conferring with uh, the training staff um, every day on this trip. Remember, when Golden State and Cleveland sat their stars for nationally televised games the past two weekends, both games were back-to-backs on the road. Going back-to-back. Yeah, going back-to-back. I've been told that the league does not want to push the finals or the NBA draft into the 4th of July weekend, but maybe starting the regular season a few days earlier and ending a few days later would help. 
take veterans off Team USA. Look, we reestablished our worldwide basketball supremacy long ago. So much so that Olympic basketball is no longer fun to watch. I mean, how much joy can a brother get out of 40-point blowouts of China and Venezuela? So in addition to saving players' bodies and allowing them to rest when they really should be during their three-month vacation, eliminating NBA vets from the Team USA equation would also inject some much-needed competitiveness and spice into Olympic basketball. I say we make Team USA a 22 and under squad, not even an all-NBA squad. If an 18-year-old or a 19-year-old college kid like Lonzo Ball can make the team, then put him on the team. See, I'm still a bit miffed that our college stars got spanked by the world back in the late 80s and early 90s and even made it necessary for us to send our pros. Call me crazy, but I believe our college-age guys could now win gold. And if they don't, so what? Doesn't mean America no longer produces the world's best hoopers. Everybody knows we do. Plus, and more importantly, guys like LeBron and Carmelo and Draymond can relax during the summer so they'll be ready for a full 82 come October. Rest during practice and get rid of morning shoot-arounds. If a star player needs a break, give him that break on an off day. Let him walk through practice. Just shoot jump shots or watch from the sidelines altogether. Why is that so difficult to comprehend? And here's something even more radical. Do away with morning shoot-arounds. In case you didn't know, teams practice on the mornings of every game, except for the second game of back-to-backs. It's usually at about 10 a.m., so the entire team takes the bus to the arena, practices for 60 to 90 minutes, meets with the media, then they go back to the hotel or their house if it's a home game for about four hours before heading to the game. When you think about it, that makes no sense. It's the very definition of wasting time and wrecking rest. I know teams do it in part to keep guys from hanging out all night, but guess what? Some guys are hanging out all night anyway. Plus, if grown men can't be responsible enough to police themselves and their teammates, then so be it. Waste your talent, wreck your career, and lose your shot at millions of dollars. Otherwise, be a man and learn how to prioritize. Instead of morning shoot-arounds, why not have a pregame walkthrough at the arena? Leave the hotel a bit earlier than usual and have the players walk through their sets before the game. If an arena doesn't have a practice court the visiting team can use, then in that case, maybe you have a morning shoot-around. But eliminating many of those morning practices on game days would go a long way in getting players the rest the science says they need. Silver might have to lay down the law. Adam Silver understands that perception is reality. And if players continue to sit out games, many fans' perception could become that the stars don't care about them or the regular season. It could also lead to conspiracy theories. I've never been one to buy into those when it comes to the NBA, but it wouldn't take much imagination to wonder if Cavs coach Teron Lue sat his three stars against the LA Clippers to help out his mentor, 
Doc Rivers. The Clippers are struggling big time, and Doc might be fighting for his job. A suspicious fan wouldn't have to stretch too hard to ask why Lou didn't instead rest his stars against the Lakers, who could have been beaten by the Cavs reserves. If the owners can't kill the league's rest trend, then Silver, who's already given the players an extra week of rest around the All-Star game, may need to sit down with Chris Paul and LeBron James, the heads of the Players Association, and explain to them that they cannot kill the Golden Goose. Don't give the fans, the sponsors, or the networks any reason to question your commitment to them or the game. Because if it wasn't for those three parties, and he can't say this, but I can you just be a bunch of cats running around playing basketball. So if you're healthy, play, whether your GM or coach wants you to or not. If the league wants to ignore my advice and instead choose the science, then by all means, choose the science. Have the science tell you what the optimum number of games for the regular season is, because apparently 82 is too much, and reduce the schedule accordingly. After all, when the league went to 82 games in 1967, it didn't have all this technology and it didn't know any better. So if the human body, even the best conditioned, most athletic human bodies can only take 65 games a year, then so be it. But just be ready to accept 65 games worth of money instead of 82. Fans, you should do whatever it takes to get this message across to the league. 82 games of pay equals 82 games of play, if you're healthy. And if you don't know, now you know. All right, let's take a break so I can tell you about the Undisputed Podcast. It's a daily podcast featuring my friends Skip Bayless and Shannon Sharp debating the hottest topics in sports, hosted by the wonderful Joy Taylor. This is an unscripted and unfiltered version of the show each day with guests that range from NBA and NFL Hall of Famers to celebrities and rappers like Lil Wayne and 2 Change. Subscribe on iTunes, SoundCloud, Google Play Music, or your favorite podcast app. Shaq, thanks for joining the In The Zone podcast. Um, let's start out with a little known secret about, about you. You have a full court in your house, yes. Miami Heat. And people don't know I played there once. And oh. with you, the way I remember it, I was raining jumpers oh, no, all no, over the place. No, no. But how do you remember it? <laughs> I remember me crossing you up, laying it up, and looking at you. And you looked at me, and I, and I told you, I said, hey, all the coaches I played for was holding my game back. <laughs> <laughs> you did hit a three yeah. to win the game. I remember that. I Does it frustrate you to see the big men not really, they don't really have great post play? Things like that. It frustrates me, but then I said to myself, it's all my fault. We are all products of, of, of our environment. When I was growing up, father said, Bill Russell, Kareem, and Will, watch these guys play. They were kind of too old school for me. It wasn't really watching them. And then, who's this cat from Georgetown, the ball head cat, Michael Graham, playing all mean, and, and Patrick Ewing, the guy throwing, those are the guys that I watch. You know, it was a, you know, pretty much a, a, a center on every team. Even like when you go to Portland and, and mess around with Big Duckworth, you know, Big you know, big Duckworth, Big Country, 
And then when those guys start fading out, you know, what I did was just, you know, just dominate, 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 dominate. I think the guys that were watching were like, ah, I don't want to play like that, but I could play like Dirk. Mm -hmm. Seven-foot guy shooting jumpers. And, you know, we got a lot of European guys that have came over and, you know, just kind of, you know, changed the game a little bit. Can you picture how your great Laker teams would have done against Golden State the way they play now? We would have. I think we would have dominated them because, you know, all the teams I, I, I play for, what, what we possess is an old school mentality. Like, you can ask any of my guards, as D Fish, as GP, as Kobe, when a guard was, was, was messing us up, I tell them, send them baseline. Send them baseline one time. You, you know, you know, you saw it. So, a lot of these guys don't get touched. And I love Steph Curry and all that, but he would have to stay out there and beat up from the outside. Because every time he come to land, I, I just have to put him on his back. You know, no layups, especially in the playoffs. You know, Pat Riley used to just come in and no layups. Phil Jackson, no layups. They killed us in the paint last year. So I would still have that old school mentality. So if a guy came in there, I just got to, you know, lay him down. And I can't twice. imagine Draymond covering you. Like, oh, never. Oh, stop <laughs> it. No, never. No, that ain't going to work against me. Yeah, yeah. And they can hack a shag and do all that. It ain't going to work. Now, I can't help but notice this ring. What, what year is that from? This is, this, is, uh, this is my Hall of Fame ring that I created oh, for myself. Oh, that's Hall of Fame ring. Yes. Okay, that's this is the one that I created for myself. Uh, the reason why I created one for myself is not the real Hall of Fame ring. I was programmed as a little child. Every trophy I get, I give it to my father. Since my father's no longer here, I dedicated a room in my house. When, when, he, when, he, uh, when, when he passed away, I went to his house and he shared. I got all my high school trophies, all my Little League trophies. I dedicated a room in his house. So when I got the original Hall of Fame ring, I put it in, in the room, locked the door, and I had this one made for myself. And I said, I'm going to wear this one every day. Do you ever wear your other championship no, rings? No, I never wore them. I never wore them because I would get them and I would give them to him. So I finally asked him, I said, uh, <clears throat> why are you making me give you all my stuff when I was a youngster? He said, because I never want you to be satisfied. So, and like, you you remember meeting him. So like, I'd, I'd give it to him and he'd crack a smile. All right, that's cool. Go get another one. I'll see you later. I know you're doing some movies that you, you, need, to, you need to start working out. Magic and them went back to back. Let's see if you can do a chump. So then I get the two. Ah, that's cool, cool. Can you get three? Can you get three? And then you know when they, when, when they you know traded me to Miami. I know you got one more. I know you got one more. Like you just he get them and, and and like I'd see him at the house and then when I come back the next time they they be gone. And he was the type you don't you don't ask questions. You don't say hey you know where's my stuff. So I was like that meant to me that I just had to go get another one. Now you you got rings with you know three obviously with Kobe one with Dwayne Wade played with LeBron Steve Nash Penny Hardaway if you could go back and you had to pick one of those guys to play with everybody in their prime who would it be I'd have to say Penny because Penny didn't have the the chance to showcase himself like the other guys did those injuries haunting them but Penny was I think Penny was LeBron and Kobe before before LeBron and Kobe, because at times he played like LeBron, get everybody involved, and then at times he'd take over the game like Kobe. And, uh, you know, he was, he was one of my favorite guys to play with because from day one, he looked for me from day one. And, you know, I met him on the, on the movie set doing blue chips, and I, and I called, and 
And I was testing out my piles. I was like, if y'all don't get this guy, you know, if y'all don't get this guy, at the end of the month, I'm going to be looking to do something else. And they traded to see where and they got him. But I would, I, I, I would like to see him go a full career without getting hurt. They, the, when you were inducted into the Magic Hall of Fame, you said if you had it to do over again, you, you wish you had stayed in Orlando. Because you, you had great years everywhere else, but I was surprised to hear that. Yeah, and sort of what Durant and uh, Westbrook is going through. It's not a real beef. I just think it's a lack of, lack of communication. And that's what it was with you and Penny? That's all it was. So I just felt at the time that when I was re renegotiating my contract, he wasn't there for me. Because you remember when he was renegotiating his, he sat out a few games yeah. and didn't come to training camp. And I was the one that said, hey, bam, 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 boom, 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 give him his money. And then when it comes time for me to get, like, he wasn't around. To, you know, yeah. when you're young and, uh, you know, they're throwing all this in your face and then the people in Orlando say, he's not worth 100. And then Jerry West in the middle of the night said, hey, I got 120 for you. I didn't call him either. So I kind of know what Westbrook is going through right now. I didn't call him either. And if I was a little older and more mature, you know, we could handle situations different. Even like with, with, with uh, uh, Kobe, like, you know, the way things panned out there, I think if we were a little bit older and mature, we could talk about things and, and, you know, just work things out. But when you're young and they throw a lot of money in your face, it's trials and tribulations. Where did it, where did the challenges for you and Kobe start? Did it start like right away or just over time? I, don't, I think people don't understand that the challenges that we had were all good challenges. I'm gonna push you, and you're gonna push me. I think it'd be a better story if we didn't win any championships. We won three out of four. Seventy-five percent every time we go to finals, we win seventy-five percent of the time. You know, I, I just think people wanted us to be lovey-dovey and this and that. But one of my favorite TV programs are the are the uh, Thirty for Thirty shows and the Where Are They Now shows. Like when I, I found out that that when the Brady Bunch had beef. And you know, all these people had beef, I was like, it's normal. Yeah. When I found out that Paul McCartney and John Lennon had beef, it's all normal. But every time they stepped on that stage, they did what they had to do. So every time we stepped on the stage, we did what we had to do. But a lot, a lot of the stuff was perpetuated by me and the media, because you know I like talking to the media, all about marketing. But I just think at the end there, when they were trying to give him more than me, and, my ego, hey, I got three finals MVP, now boom, 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 and then they just wanted wanted to do something different. Do you uh, keep in touch with Kobe at all now? No, I haven't talked to him in a while. Okay. I haven't talked to him in a while. Um, how much pressure for a person that's considered an all-time great, like before you won a ring, you know, people looked at you as such a great player. I'm thinking of Kevin Durant and him going to Golden State. How much pressure is there a player of your stature to get a ring? A lot of pressure because, you know, especially, you know, the, the first couple of years, you're like, I'm, I'll make it, I'll make it. But once it start getting to eight, it's nine, and ten, and you're not making it, not, not, now you start saying to yourself, I'm going to be on that list. So it's a great list to be on, but I don't, I don't want to be on that side. The I, one I mean, where great yeah, players yeah, I don't, I don't want to, I mean, no disrespect to Barkley and Malone and Stockton. I love those guys. They're great players, but. I don't want to be on that side. I want to be Magic, Mike, you know, Kareem. That's the side I want to be on. And you know, when you're putting up big numbers and you're doing things, and, and, and then for me, when you have that one difficulty, I don't want them to say, well, if he'd have hit his free throws, he would have he won at least one championship. So that's why, like, after we lost in Orlando, 
I said to myself, if I ever get back to, to the finals again, my number's gonna be so high. If I'm making free throws or not, we still gonna win and we gonna win big. So that's why we were able to win that three in a row. When you were, when Kevin Durant went to Golden State, you were critical, you know. Well that, I don't know how you feel about it, but how do you feel about it now? And if you still- I'm, yeah. I'm critical, but I understood. We, the, the business that we're in, we put so much pressure on these kids to win. And I think sometimes they wanna take the easy way out. Uh, you know, when I was coming up, watching guys compete, 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 fail, fail, compete, compete. That's how I figured out how to do it. Yeah. Okay, instead of instead of every every year when we lost to Utah in the first rounds, I'm, I'm not gonna say, hey, Jerry Buss, I need you to trade me to Utah so I can play with college job. I wanna beat you, because that's what Isaiah did to Magic, that's what Isaiah did to Mike, that's what Mike did to Magic and all that stuff. So I think now with the guys being buddy-buddy and guys creating super teams, like, if general managers create a super team, that's one thing. But if guys are emailing back and forth and Snapchatting back and forth, hey, my deal is up, my deal, let's create a super team. I don't, I don't really, you know. So it takes, really like if that. he wins titles there, will it taint, taint it at least a little bit? I say yes, but who am I? Yeah. Who am I? I would like to see those guys beat those guys, not join them, mm -hmm. but no. You know, I always hear people say, this generation. I have no idea what this means. And then I always go back and I look, and I was like, I wonder if Mike said that about me, about us, like how we, we came in. Because I did things a little unorthodox, so I, I, I try not to be too critical to this generation because I, I wonder how they thought about my generation. Do you think a lot of people understand how much education you actually have? No, and it doesn't matter. But that's, that's impressive though. Do you, do you think it should be an example? You have your bachelor's degree, you have your master's I, I think it should, and I think it should. And I think if everybody reads the stories that I read, it should scare them. As a youngster, my father, every time an athlete got in trouble, I would get in trouble. When Lynn Bias passed away, my father came in the house, his eyes were red, and I thought I stole something. And he just, his basically, if you ever do that, I will kill you. You don't have time to pass. So, like a lot of horror stories made me made me wanna made me wanna better myself as a person. And I have six children. So me being educated is more for them than it is for anybody else. Cause you know, I tell them all the time that this this shack life that we live in, it ain't real life. You see that building right there? The guy that owns that building, the guy that owns this plaza, that's real life. That's where you wanna get to. Not not to what I'm doing, because what I'm doing is like a lot of people can't do what I do. Like, you know, people ask me about my son, Sharif, and they said, well, said, he's a fabulous player, but it doesn't matter to me if he plays well or not. What matters to me that he goes to school, he gets education. So when I'm done, I can say, here you go. I left this for you, do what you do. Love you, I'm gonna be in the old folks' home, riding horses, playing cricket, and playing spades, and all that, come see me when you wanna come see me, but I'm working my butt off for you, your brothers and sisters, you're educated now, you got your bachelor's and masters, do what you do, love you. So that's my only concern, you know, with uh, you know my children. Is there anything left on your bucket list? I want to do something, but this lady scared me. So in Orlando, they got this skydiving thing where you go in there. So I went in there and I'm practicing. So the guy said, man, you should skydive. So I go out there, guy has a whole bunch of land and I'm looking at the thing and I said, the weight limit, like 350, I was like, 
I'm a little more than 350. So the guys are, oh, my mom, she can sew two together. And I said to myself, just my luck, mom, don't feel like sewing that night. That's the only thing I want to do. I actually, I actually tried, I actually tried scuba diving. Really? And I was terrified because you know when you when you're down there you're cool. So I'm down so far I'm messing around, and then when I look up I don't see nothing. I start panicking. I was going. The guy was like, you can't go up that fast. I was like, <laughs> so skydiving would probably be the the last thing that I would want to do. You think you will do it? No, never. Yeah, <laughs> yeah I won't do it, but I, but I want to do it. All right, man. I Thank you. All right. Thanks All right. A lot, good man. luck with your show, too. Thank All right, you. Appreciate Always it. good to see you. All right, time to wrap it up and run it back. This is about missing games for no good reason during the heart of the season. Tell the owners in no uncertain terms to send the message throughout their organizations that healthy players play. I say we make Team USA a 22 and under squad. Do away with morning shoot around. Fans, you should do whatever it takes to get this message across to the league. 82 games of pay equals 82 games of play if you're healthy. Game blouses. That's it for this week's show. Please remember to subscribe to us on iTunes and SoundCloud. Give us five stars and leave a nice comment. Make sure you also catch me live on my nationally syndicated radio show, along with my co-host Brian No on Fox Sports Radio every Saturday, 8 to 11 p.m. Eastern. We'll be reacting to live games and covering all of the major stories in sports. See you next week. Peace. I'm in my zone.